just want to share a couple of things with you. And being that this is a spiritual hospital, I'm going to start off by sharing with you what we see as a disease. And then we're going to transition into what the Lord has given us as a cure. So, Lord, just, we just thank you for uh, just how you're just so good to us. How you just continue to bless us, encourage us, lift us up in spite of ourselves. So we know that we serve a God who loves us dearly. And I pray that every one of my sisters and brothers that's here tonight, if they don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, that tonight will be that night of salvation. Lord, we need you now more than ever. And I just pray, Father, that that would be the, the mission of our heart is to serve you all of our days. So again, have your way in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus. Um, as I was listening to those, those songs, the one in particular that stood out, the verses were, Open my understanding, soften my heart to receive. I want all that you have for me. And I'm just so glad that I finally reached a point in my life where I'm starting to understand the meaning of that, those very words. I want all that you have for me. And, and what I titled this tonight, we're going to end up, Lord willing, in Daniel chapter 9. That's where we're going to end up. And uh, this is just a, a couple of things that he put on my heart. And I titled this, A Future and a Hope. A Future and a Hope. And he's given us that. And we see it every single day. I just trust that we can believe it. So to start off, a couple of questions, rhetorical. What carries the most weight in your heart? Social media or the Bible? Think on these things. Which contains the most accurate message? Social media or the Bible? Which speaks with real authority? Social media or the Bible? You can answer those questions for yourself. You may be surprised by some who say one thing and do the other. Well, I watch social media, but I don't really believe that it's true. I don't believe everything that I see. And on the other hand, I have personally witnessed to some people who believe everything they pull from social media, but they don't believe everything they hear from God. And the case in point was one lady who said that, Prophecy was for then, but that doesn't apply. This is a new day, a new time, and a different mindset. So prophecy, that was for those guys. And it made it quite clear to me that this young lady didn't understand the, even the meaning of the word prophecy. Because the prophecy was not necessarily just for that time. It was projected into the future. And as we go into that, we're going to talk about uh, Daniel and his attitude, his mindset towards prophecy. Most of what we hear on the daily news makes us anxious, angry, upset, depressed, or cynical. And uh, there was one uh, specific example, somebody in the body who said, I hate social media, so why do you watch it? Well, I got to know what's going on. And it's like, wow, Really? That's how you know what's going on. How, how about, uh, let's start with uh, Revelation. Let's start with, uh, there's, so many I, there's so many places that we can go, but to say it, it really causes her anxiety, but she's got to watch. I can't help it. And to me, I see that as somewhat of an addiction. You know, I know this is not good for me, and some of, the, some of you here can relate to that. I know this isn't in my best interest, but I'm going to do it anyway. And again, uh, to each his own. Uh, once upon a time, my friends and acquaintances would send me scripture or verses from the Bible. Today, I am more likely to receive a video clip from social media. That's how things have changed. And even though I rail against it, 
but this, I, I know that this is a must read. Everything's a must read now. And even more so with me personally, because I don't have any worldly heroes. They, they drop names and I won't, I won't extend that any longer. But, oh, this is from this guy's church. It's a mega church. So it's got to be true. He's got to know what he's talking about. No, no, he doesn't. That man is a man just like you and me. There's some things he understands, but he doesn't understand everything. So you can't put your trust in him just because he ministers to a lot of people. That's, the number of people is totally irrelevant. But that's, that was their heart. We should not ignore the news or live in ignorance, but we should never let the headlines take over our heart lines. Never. Do not allow the headlines be the things that's guiding you. So the headlines uh, become so ingrained in us until it blocks the artery to the heart line. And that way we rely totally on social media for our, our, our news, our messages, uh, keeping us up to date. Can we be wise consumers of our time without becoming warped by the wickedness that's going on around us? And that's a great question. Can we be wise consumers of our times without becoming warped by the wickedness that's going on around us. In the Bible, in Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, as we go through these words, pure, lovely, just, good report, and things that have virtue, it doesn't pertain to what's going on around us. And it really saddens me personally when I see people who, uh, that's what they go live by. Now, here's the word, here's the truth right in front of them, and there's some things they discard. Social media Whatever you're reading, I don't know about Twitter and Facebook and all that, but you trust the source without knowing the source. So because it's there, you tend to believe in that. And that's what you rely on as your source of information. Do you know that even somebody who's untechy, if that's not a word, it is now, can, can put something on there in it? It's not based on any truth whatsoever. Well, Richard said that, no, that, that's bad, no matter how you look at it. And we need to really have something that we can trust, something that we can rely on. Psalm 2, 1 through 4 says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take Counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. And Psalm 2 continues, Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. There's nothing else that we know of that's going on around us that we can trust. The, the world, the powers that be, the talking heads, we've already proven to them that we can be uh, governed by fear. We proved it. Everybody in this room, everybody within the sound of my voice, we've already proved that we can be governed by fear. So do you think they're going to stop now? The answer is no, they're not. They're going to continue to do that as long as we cave in. And we have to learn to rely on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. We have to. And, and I'm always hesitant to use that word because, well, I don't really have to do anything. I'm going to say you have to. Because right now, you're living a life that's going to lead you straight to damnation if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't care how many times you go to church. I don't know how many scriptures you can quote 
off the top of your head. I don't care about all these other things that you think are important. If you don't have that personal relationship, your life is in vain. God is not concerned about the headlines, but about the faith of his children. One thing the world can take, never take away from us in prayer and the power is prayer and the power of prayer. Many of us has fallen prey to a weakened faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A weakened faith. Yeah, we're religious, but is your life faith-based? Do you have faith in Jesus? Yeah, you're religious. We're all religious. Everybody that you know is religious. But that's not what we're about. We, we are faith-based. The weakness can only be strengthened by decreasing our addiction to the headlines and increasing our commitment to spending more time in the Word of God. Prayer is the strongest step in that direction. And just uh, one more thing that I saw from a survey, and then we're going to dig in. According to one survey, young people get most of their news from social media. Conservatives favor one television channel, while liberals, liberals favor another. Older Americans still rely on newspaper and major networks. Which one of those is totally reliable? As I look through this, is social media, media more reliable than the Word of God? You got my no vote on that one. Do conservatives favor one television channel while liberals favor another? Why is that? Why is that? Why can't we just live as human beings, God-fearing, God-loving people, but we create divisions? And there's some that we've allowed to create divisions among us, even here at the church. Why does it have to be that way? Ola Americans still rely on newspapers and major networks. Which one of those? Which ones of those are reliable? And so talking about that, there's a disease. We just talked about the disease, how social media can and will continue to rule us. Now, let's go and talk about the cure. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the lineage of the Medes, who were made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, the prayer of Daniel in this chapter is a culmination, culmination of a life of prayer, a lifetime of praying and seeking the Lord. Daniel didn't just start seeking the Lord when things started falling apart. It was a lifetime commitment for him. Daniel's prayer was a real exercise of soul and spirit, and such prayer required a tremendous amount of effort, endurance, and suffering. Does your prayer life require effort? Does your prayer life require endurance? Does your prayer life require suffering? It should. It should. It's not easy to pray when the lions have you surrounded. It's not easy to, to pray when the dogs have you outnumbered. And they're growling. It's not easy to stand fast when those around you say, if you use the word Jesus, you will be terminated. It's not easy. Well, that'll never happen in the good old U.S. of A. My friends, it has, it will, and it will continue to happen everywhere. As time grows, that we will, when we hear about the underground churches in certain countries. We say, not here. It'll never happen here. Because they have our backs. Now I just want to ask you the question, who is they? Are they the ones that are creating scandals in the government? Are they the ones that are making decisions about the fact that you can't raise your child, you have to leave it to them? Are they the ones that are allowing the, the name Jesus to be removed from everything that's humanly possible? 
Uh, this they that we're talking about? Is this a day that is going to protect us from these things? The only thing that we've got, the only thing that we've got that we can trust in is Jesus Christ. Some of the basic ingredients in the prescription of godly prayer are purpose of planning. In this case, we're going to focus on Daniel. Daniel was prepared and definite. We need to be prepared and definite. Pray without ceasing. For those who don't know what it means, well, I prayed about everything that I can think of. The fact that you get to pray without feeling like you're going to be destroyed or wiped out. That's something to pray about. Don't take anything for granted. Don't take all these things that we have. Again, those things have already been taken away at one point. You know, when we went through that terrible plague, when you could go nowhere. You didn't, you didn't even know if you were going to be able to get food for your home. You didn't even know if you were going to be able to get water to drink. And now, as the time goes by, and we've proven that we can be ruled through fear, they're going to kick it up a notch. I'm going to really make them suffer. I'm going to really make them come over to my side. You will deny Jesus Christ or you won't have substance for your home and your family. Well, I'm not going to do that. We can say that, but when it comes down to it, are we going to live that out? Are we going to be able to stand bold for the word, for Christ? Uh, Daniel, uh, another element of that was painful performance. Daniel's prayer was not for outward show, but to reveal the sincerity of his heart. Why do you pray? Why do we pray? Is it to show off in the gates for people, for man? Or is it a sincere prayer, the prayer of our heart, for our love for God? Daniel practiced perfect plainness. Daniel was candid and straightforward in his confession. Let's be honest. If you're not saying the words, the Lord is reading your heart. And he knows that this person is not being sincere. This person is, is, is fooling themselves. They're lukewarm. They're sitting on the fence. They're not committed to the cause. You are not committed to, to being about your father's business. You're playing church. You're playing Christian. There is no secret agent Christian. There is no part-time Christian. You're in or you're out. So when we're not being honest or sincere in our confession, then we're being a hypocrite. Daniel practiced powerful petition. God answered Daniel's prayer in a very timely manner, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, what that really means. Because so many have said, I prayed and prayed and prayed for this, and God hasn't delivered. God hasn't answered me. How do you know? Well, I know because... No or wait is not an answer. Yes is the only answer that I want to hear. That's not how it works, my friends. You've got to be open to the truth. And the true measure of a person is how much truth can they take? How much truth can they take? You know, brother, I would rather you lie to me and spare my feelings than tell the truth and hurt my feelings. Well, you got the wrong one, my friend. I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. That's how I roll. Personal and private. Daniel did not call a public prayer meeting. He prayed privately. And again, that's whatever the Lord puts on your heart. There are times when he says, I need you to go to your prayer closet. And there are other times he said, I need you to go to the gates and pray. It's his call. It's not a matter of how I'm feeling or whether I'm afraid or whether I'm not bold enough. I'm not bold enough to go and pray in front of people. If you're ashamed of me before man, I would be ashamed of you in front of my father. Ponder that. Daniel prayed plenarily or with penetration, complete or full of penetration. Prayer is the only thing, the only thing that can successfully penetrate what we consider outer space. Prayer changes things. If you haven't 
experience that, I pray that you would soon and very soon. I pray that you would experience. And the thing is, we're experiencing prayer, the power of prayer, the answer to prayer every single day. Sometimes we just don't realize it. I've said this before, and it's very simplistic. When you run out of things to say, or things to pray for, pray that you woke up this morning with new mercies on your pillow. Pray that you have five senses, for the most part, that are intact. Don't take it for granted. Pray that no matter how you're feeling, someone loves you. Doesn't matter. Someone loves you. Pray for that. Don't take it for granted. There are people who take their lives because they don't feel like anybody cares. There's no hope. There's no future in my life. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to practice the worst form of self-criticism there is. And that's suicide. You can't be any more critical of yourself than that. Pray, pray, pray. And then when you're done, repeat it. Chapter 2, a verse 2, excuse me. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And this is where this person stumbled. Well, he's talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about Egypt. He's not talking about the United States. Can you really say that with all honesty and all truth? What is he talking about? And again, sometimes we, we, we read too much into what the Lord is saying. But what he's done for others, he'll do for you. Because if he doesn't, then he's a liar. Why is he a liar? He's a liar because he said, I am not a respecter of persons. I did this for this country, this nation, but I'm not going to do it for you guys. Now, the downside to that is for the things that the nations did that they were punished for, as we do those same things, we will be punished. We are being punished. And and that's a statement that can lead to a lot of debate. Has God taken his hands off of this, this nation, the United States? Again, that depends on who you're speaking with. That can turn into a debate very easily. But It does not say that the United States or America would be around at the end times. It doesn't say that. Now, you can deceive yourself by saying, well, I read on Twitter where it says that America is going to be one of the last standing countries. Okay, what's your source? The primary factor that brought Daniel to prayer was a study of the word of God, and that is the case with us. Nothing else brings us to prayer more than the study of the word of God. God's word reveals God's will. The study of God's word followed by prayer is the formula for determining God's will. How do I know what the Lord wants from me? Study his word. How do I know what the Lord wants from me? Study his word and use that to determine what his will is. He has a a will for every single person here. Everyone. Well, he hasn't told me what it is yet. Uh, don't be so sure about that. He told you what he would like you to do, but you didn't agree, so therefore he never told you what he wanted you to do. So it, it, it can't be that because he knows that that's just not my personality. Okay, how about this personality bit? You claim that when Jesus Christ came into your life that you were a new creation, a new creature. So now you're going back to what you were and you want to live on that. But, but, Pastor, that's my strength. He doesn't want to use us in our strength. He wants to use us in our weakness because when we are weak, then he is strong. That's where he wants us. So you can't take uh, credit for the fact that, well, I'm really good at this and that's why this was successful. Hogwash. No, he, if, if it wasn't for him, and he says in the word, without me, you could do nothing. You can be nothing. You are nothing. And it doesn't make us sound like we're defeated, but he's letting you know that without the working of God in our lives, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. That's not what you want. Verse 3, 
Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, there, we don't necessarily have to go there, but as far as uh, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes, but with prayer, with prayer and fasting combined. Because what you're doing, for those of us who don't understand, when you're fasting, you're saying, I'm not going to let the flesh dictate what I do or what I don't do. So you fast and the flesh wants to rule. You're hungry. You can't go without eating for two hours straight. You know, and some of us, you know, we take our dining seriously. So it's, it's, we want to, but the flesh said, you can't do this. You can't do this. And you have to say, yes, I can. I'm going to allow the spirit to rule, not the flesh. Is it difficult? You bet. Is it possible? You bet. All things are possible. So prayer, we're just going to talk about prayer and fasting. Verse 4, And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. Are you keeping his commandments? Am I keeping his commandments? We got to ask ourselves that. Lord, what commandments are you talking about? Well, let's start with the top two. Love the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your might, all your strength, all your whatever. Worship him with everything. And now the second part, part two, it's a real challenge. Love your neighbor as yourself. Lord, you don't understand. You don't know Jimmy, so he's, he's a load. Brother, you're a load. We're all a load. But that's what he's called us to do. And it's much, much more than that. But let's just start with that. He started off with 146 commandments. Narrowed it down to 10. Let's see how they do. Not doing so well with those. All right, let's, let's just take the top two and see how they do. How are we doing, friends? How are we doing keeping those top two? We doing okay with that? Good. Glad to hear it. All right. So um, fasting was enjoined by the Lord, and it had a prominent place in the early church. 1 Corinthians 7.5 says, Do not deprive one another except for consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again to see that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Well, what's the self-control all about? That means that in almost every situation, I won't say all, I'm allowing the flesh to rule. I got a bad habit that I can't kick. Is that of the spirit or of the flesh? You've got to ask yourself, are you allowing the flesh to keep you from doing what's right? Are you allowing the flesh to cause you to do things that destroy you physically? Are you allowing the flesh to do things that destroy you morally? Are you allowing the flesh to do things that, call, that destroy you physically? And even more so, are you allowing the flesh to do things that destroy you spiritually? Some of us are. And again, we're not here to beat on anybody. We've all got issues. But all I'm saying is we need to concentrate more on the spiritual to Increase as we allow that flesh to decrease. Well, you can look at that the other way around if you choose, but there's got to be a, a lessening. And something else that really takes control. And when we talk about self-control, be careful how we allow that to define us. Self-control. That means I can control it. No, you can't. No, you can't. No matter how strong you are, no matter how grounded you are, there's just some things that you can't control. Daniel demonstrated a purpose for persistence in prayer. Daniel's prayer is very personal as concerned him and his people. When you pray, is it all about you? Should it be all about you? Ponder that. Daniel recognized the attributes of God and rests upon his personal relationship with God when he says, my God. 
It has to be a personal relationship, my friends. It has to be. You can't go in under grandma's uh, faith. God has no stepchildren. God has no foster kids. Personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It has to be that way. Before making his confession, Daniel dwells in the greatness of God. He recognizes that God is worthy of reverence and praise. God not only makes promises, but God keeps his promises. His promises are yea and amen. God is faithful and his mercies are new every morning. It was God's mercy that the nation had been preserved and continues to be preserved. The nation that he's referring to now is still being preserved. And he's, he hasn't taken his hands off of it, the nation, and he not, has not taken his hands off of us. So God's always in touch. God expects us to be obedient to his will, his word, and his way. Are we? Are we obedient to his will? What is God's will for you? What is God's word? It's right here. The Bible. What is God's way? To not be hearers only but doers. Are we living that right now? Verse 5. We have sinned and committed adultery. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgment. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princesses, to our fathers and the people of the land. We, we're in this together. We need to encourage one another. We need to pray with and for one another. We need to be a Barnabas and Everyone's life that we get to witness to. A Barnabas, an encourager. Someone who is coming alongside. And there are some among us who are dividers. Even in the church. No, I'll say especially in the church. There are dividers among us. There are people, if you see them coming, ask yourself, is this person going to speak words of encouragement or words of discouragement? And you will find that especially in the church, there are people who are here. You say, why are they here? Why are they so mean-spirited? Because the enemy has a job to do as well. And he's good at it. My, his, or, or his desire, his ambition, his goal, his mission is to discourage you. His mission is to allow you just say, well, I don't like that person, so I'm leaving the church. And there's some people that I know personally who left the church and they went looking for another church. And 24 years later, they're still looking. How can that be? Again, don't want to judge anybody, but when I see them, were you guys going to church now? Oh, we're still looking, but you left this church, you know, 20 something years ago. Uh, you know, aren't there enough, enough churches in the city that suit you and no I, I'd be facetious and say matter of fact I know a church just for you. you you ever heard of a town called Utopia there's a church that's fit for you right there just go to Utopia you'll find what you're looking for well I went to church I started there but I ran into a person who was a hypocrite so I stopped going okay you're going to find that at every church you're going to find out what that common denominator is that hypocrite they're everywhere. Hmm. By using the, the pronoun we, Daniel identifies himself with his people. He is specific in his confession. Daniel labels each sin, such as iniquity, wickedness, rebellion, disobedience, and refusal to hear God's prophets. And Daniel takes those very serious, and we should as well. Verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off, and all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. 
Are we faithful to the Lord? We have to ask ourselves that. Verse 8, O Lord, to, to us belongs shame of face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. When you're sinning, you're sinning against Jesus Christ. It affects me, but it affects me even more so to know that you're sinning against the God that I love, the God that we love. Verse 9, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though he have rebelled against him. We have rebelled, we are rebelling, we will rebel, yet his mercies endures forever. He continues to forgive. Great is his faithfulness. And I like it because it just lets me know that no matter how far I go, how down I get, He's willing to lift me up. And even more so, he's willing to lift you up. No matter how far down you've gone. And some of us have gone down some rough roads. And he's pulled us out of the mucky mire. He's brought us out of that darkness into the marvelous light. And we should just say, thank you, Lord. Because it didn't have to be for those of us uh, who start off a little bit rough. You know, there were things that, that we went through that we could have been snuffed out just like that. Some of you know about it. Some of you in this room know about it very well. The ways that we were living that was ungodly, we could have been taken out easily. Verse 10. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. These prophets, they're there. They're there for a reason. Um, you want to understand them better. Um, go to Ezekiel. Read Ezekiel 37, 38 for, for the time such as this. Go to the book of Acts and, and read some accounts of the things that the Lord did there. And, and look at this. With the, from a biblical perspective of he's showing us what happened there and it gives you an idea of what direction that we're heading in individually and as a country and as a church, a body of Christ. It gives us an idea. And he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judge us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to, in this case, Jerusalem. Take the word Jerusalem out and put in America. It's not a pretty sight, my friends. But he's got a plan for us. 13, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. We have not turned from our iniquities, and he gave us a model prayer just for that. And that model prayer, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You've heard me say it before. And I'll continue to say it. that is a model prayer. If my people will call by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their lands. Our land is sick. Our land is uh, somewhat equivalent to the dry bones in Ezekiel. Can these bones live? The answer is, Lord, you know. He knows. He knows what plan he has for us. He knows what plan he has for you. He knows what plan he has for me. Can these bones live? Lord knows. Verse 14. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought upon us for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. But I don't hear his voice. Don't you? 
You, you say the Lord speaks to you, but I don't think he speaks to me. Really? So do you think the Lord doesn't like you? The Lord loves you. He speaks to you. The problem is, there's a difference between hearing and listening. I heard you, but it went in one ear and out the other. Because this wasn't what I wanted to hear. So I, I ignored it. That's dangerous. Uh, Daniel contrasts God's goodness with Israel's sin. Again, take out Israel, put in America if you wish. God's righteousness with Israel's confusion of faith, which is their shame. They were scattered because of their trespass against God. They deserved the punishment that they had received. God was righteous in sending them into captivity. God was right into sending us into uh, uh, seasons of pestilence, diseases. He was right in it. He is every right. He is God. They deserve the punishment that they had received. God was righteous in sending them into captivity. Uh, God was right. They were wrong. This is a proper attitude each of us should have as we approach God in prayer. God's heart hasn't changed. God's heart hasn't changed to meet today's morals and ethics or lack of morals or lack of morals and ethics. We are even allowing the powers that be to determine our mores and ethics. That's shameful. That's so shameful because we're at a point now where if you stand for nothing, then you stand for everything. And again, how is the Lord asking you to, to meet these challenges head on? It's personal. It's up to him and up to you. You know, we can't stand or sit there and, and tell them what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Although, there are some among us who try. Well, you got to read this. This is a must read. Don't you know what's going on in Egypt, Syria? No, I don't. Then how can you stand and preach when you don't know what's going on in the world? It's amazing. I've been around for centuries. And I didn't dig into that. And I still won't to this day. I've been... I've been tuned out for three years and I'm not standing here boasting it works for me it doesn't work for everybody I don't have a desire to know that there's a ship out on the ocean that's going to shoot down anti-ballistic missiles I don't have a desire to know that I don't like when you send me clips showing me this stuff and I don't like it when I say don't and you ignore me but it's happening if that's what you want, if that's what you want to govern your life, have at it. Personally, I do not. God's heart has not changed to meet today's morals and ethics or lack of morals and ethics. In spite of this, God would not, would not forsake them, his people. Second Chronicles 6, 36-39 says, When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin. And you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy. And they, and they take them captive to a land far or near. Yet, when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captives and repent and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done wrong, and have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, where they have been carried captive and pray towards their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen and toward the temple, which I have built for your name. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Daniel rests his plea on the character of God, the God of mercy. And he does. God has, he has mercy on us through every situation. He continues to support, encourage, and protect us. Verse 15. 
And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is in this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. That's us. It's the same thing all over again. And as we read these next four verses, 15, 16, 17, 18, realize this is Daniel's petition and plea. He recalls how God led Israel out of Egypt. He did it because of his righteousness, not because of Israel's righteousness. The reason for this delivery, deliverance was found in him, not in them. It was nothing that they did or didn't do that caused them to be delivered. It was all God. Daniel saw this misery and asked God to repeat himself by delivering them because God is righteous. He extended mercy. Romans 3.26 says, To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has, had, who has faith in Jesus. And Daniel asked God to hear an answer because of who he is and what he has promised. No good thing rests upon Israel. God's name is at stake here. And I won't say in this case God's name is at stake with us. These were his people. They were chosen by him. So he expected something different from them. And that's not being a respecter of person. He gave them every opportunity to live up to a standard that he had set. He's done the same thing with us. But our country, our nation, his name is not at stake. He would love for us to be a God-fearing nation. He would love for us to be a country that stands for righteousness. But we stray so far from that. And here Daniel says, my sins make it evident that Daniel was not pointing the finger at his people and not at himself. He confessed his own sins privately and personally. What was Daniel's sin? We don't know. The scripture decided that we didn't need to know. By knowing what Daniel's sin was, does it help us? But I will tell you one thing we can rely on. The word says we are people of like passion. So that tells you that Daniel had some of the same sins or one of the same sins that somebody in this room. Maybe me. Maybe you. Maybe you. But the, the scripture uh, didn't feel the need to uh, show us that. The, and this we'll just talk about quickly. Uh, this man, Gabriel, when the angel came who appeared in human form, form the time was about 3 p.m. In, in the hour or evening and uh, with the sacrifice at Jerusalem. And Daniel got an immediate answer to his prayer. We were talking before about the fact that you prayed for your aunt, your uncle, that God would deliver them and God just hasn't yet. I just need to remind you that oftentimes we look at it as centered around that person. Most of the time, God doesn't look at it that way. God is looking at the peripheral. How many people are being affected by this person's illness, this person's death? We don't look at it that way. He wants to minister to others through us. So he'll take us to dire straits and had a conversation with our brother uh, just a week or so ago about the extremes that he had to go through, the pain, the suffering that he had to go through in order to touch others. Some things would have never happened if he hadn't gone through that. And think about it. When God took away someone that you love, why would a loving God take away someone that I love? Because he loves them more. He knows the beginning from the end. So he knows what he's doing at all times. So why did he take that person away? Because someone else had to be infected. Literally, someone else had to be infected by that death. Someone else had to be infected by that surgery. Someone else had to be affected by that minor affliction that you went through. Someone had to be. It's, it wasn't just you. It wasn't just that person. It was the people around him. Somebody needs to understand the meaning of mortality. So I'm going to take out this young person. 
Someone needs to understand the meaning of relying too much on another person and not enough on me because I am a jealous God. So God took that person out of your life just so that you could focus on him. You lost focus on what is important. And you relied too much on that individual. And God says, I'm going to remove them from your life. I'm going to put somebody in your life that's going to suffer and it's going to affect you. That doesn't sound like love, does it, folks? But it is. It is. And when we talk about that, we need to understand the meaning of the word sovereign. God blesses us because he loves us. He doesn't curse us. God challenges us because he loves us. And from a fleshly standpoint, that makes no sense. Either you love me or you don't. I love you, so I have to chasten you. I love you, so I'm going to bless you. It's the same God. And in this case, Daniel got, when Daniel prayed, he got an immediate answer to his prayer, and he knew that it was an immediate answer. We don't always get that, that we know of, and sometimes we, do, we don't realize it. And Isaiah 65, 24 says, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. So God is speaking. God is answering prayer constantly. Question is, are we hearing what he's saying? Okay, I'm going to skip over some of this so uh, we can get out of here at a reasonable time tonight. Uh, just for words of encouragement. Being steadfast and immovable is not easy. Oftentimes, we do become weary while doing good. Being steadfast and immovable requires daily perseverance and commitment when we see or hear the daily news. It requires perseverance. It requires commitment. Are you committed to knowing the truth? So you, if you want to uh, make a commitment to watch that, use this as a guide, as a measuring stick. So there's nothing that's has happened. God says, ah, I didn't see that coming. He never said that. He knows it. He knows it already. He knows what's going to happen with all this stuff that's going on around us. And there was so much more that I had uh, concerning all these things that are changing. Uh, one that we can all relate to is uh, currency. It's coming. It's here. One world economy. You can't imagine what a disaster that can be. You can't imagine turning over our lives literally to the World Health Organization. You can't imagine it. Because this thing can just like, it won't explode, it will implode. Because you've got people there who want to scare you to death. They want to. That's desire, that's their heart. I want you to live in fear because when I've got you afraid, I can control you. I can make you believe everything I say. If I can control your food, your water, your currency, I got you. You're mine. It's a trap. If your efforts sometimes seem in vain, don't be discouraged. I want to encourage you with, with a couple of verses here. One is Psalm 121, 1 through 8. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where comes my help. My help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. If your efforts sometimes seem empty or fruitless, don't be discouraged. Continue to always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Jeremiah 29, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give you a future and a hope. That's his desire. We can rely on that. We can rest in that. That his desire is to give us a peace and a hope. And he will. Christ at his coming will bring in everlasting righteousness. Only the coming of Christ can end this frightful period. That's it, folks. That's what we should be looking to. He's coming back. Regardless of what you hear from the naysayers. Yeah, yeah, my grandmother, my great-grandmother said the same thing. He's not back yet. And it's, and it's been hundreds of years. Ooh, hundreds of years. Oh, that means he's not coming now. That's been a long time. No, it hasn't. If you read the word, you understand that. It's the blink of an eye. Um, Isaiah uh, 52, 1 through 7 says, Awake, and these are my words. That the Lord has, these are the words that the Lord has given to me for us. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Sink yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing. You have sold yourselves for nothing. And you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, my people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there. Then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now, therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing? Those who rule over them, make them make them wail, says the Lord. And my name is blasphemed continually every day. We all know that no matter where you are, no matter where you dwell, blaspheming his name exists constantly. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, good news, who proclaim peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaim salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Words of encouragement. One question and one statement, and then we'll call them the evening. Does the world shape your worldview, or does the word of God shape your view of your world, of the world? Which shapes your worldview? Does the world shape your worldview, or does the word of God shape your view of the world? Last words of encouragement for tonight. The waymaker matters far more than the newsmakers. God is a waymaker. He matters much more than the newsmakers. The news is changing and changing and changing. God's word stays true. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. This is the truth. Trust in this. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what you've allowed us to hear tonight. And I pray that my sisters and brothers, I pray they would not leave here discouraged, Father, thinking that they're not good enough. Continue to remind them that you love them no matter what. You love us unconditionally, Father. Yeah, we do stumble, we do fall, but we have a God who lifts us up and just gives us chance number 99. So we give you praise and honor for who you are, and we thank you so much for whose we are.
May you receive the glory of every word that we utter and every deed that we do throughout this day and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out.